Episode 48, The Rant. Eric Carmona, baseball in the Bronx, from playing Little League to coaching, and finally, officiating in high school, college, and now the pro level. Baseball is in Eric's blood. That blood done spilt over as he combined his propensity of officiating and his love of baseball and found umpiring. Suffice to say, it's his calling. He discusses his start as a shortstop with a dream, living in close quarters of Yankee Stadium, and how he tries to outwork himself by improving in his craft every day. Not only that, he's generous with his information, ready to dispense what he's learned to pay it forward to anyone that's willing to listen. My wide-ranging conversation with Eric, now. The Rant has been brought to you by Roar Organic. Everything your body needs, nothing it doesn't. There's a reason they say variety is the spice of life. And with their new organic line comes the following exciting flavors. Georgia peach, blueberry acai, cucumber watermelon, mango clementine, pineapple mint, strawberry coconut. Ah. Roar Organic uses a proprietary electrolyte blend created with organic coconut water, organic cane sugar, and sea salt. It's non-GMO, vegan-friendly, gluten-free, no artificial colors or flavors, no preservatives, and no artificial sweeteners. Just 2 grams of sugar and only 10 calories per serving. Visit Roar.land and use the code REFEREERANT, one word, in the checkout and receive 10% off your next purchase. That's Roar.land, code REFEREERANT. The Rant has been brought to you by the revolutionary product for referees and all professionals alike, Neat Tucks. What the tuck? Traditional shirt stays have been tried and true, but never accounted for those professionals that have shorts as uniforms. What do you do when you officiate soccer or lacrosse or even basketball in the summer? Don't forget about baseball umpires, too. Enter Neat Tucks, which come in style and active versions. Don't get it twisted. You can even wear them at your 9 to 5, too. Listeners of The Rant can visit neattux.com and enter the coupon code REFEREERANT, one word, and receive 20% off your initial order. That's REFEREERANT, one word. Happy tucking. Welcome to another edition of The Rant. I'm your host, Ralph the Ref. I'm with a special guest, professional baseball umpire, elite collegiate and high school official in New York City, Eric Carmona. How you doing, my friend? Hey, how you doing, Ralph? So I met Eric about two weeks ago. Um, he was... Pulled up in a van. We were at Brooklyn near Bensonhurst, Fort Hamilton, yeah. uh, overlooking the Verrazano Bridge at Poly Prep Country Day School. That's correct. It's a varsity game. Um, he was behind the plate. I was on the bases. And um, just from our pregame, um, he was asking me very pointed questions to see what type of official that I was. And, um, you know, I'm very fortunate to uh, talk to him because uh, the reason why I do games in the city is because to find an opportunity to figure out how to do this college game um, and get there for somebody to give me the right information. And I believe that Eric is the person. So welcome to the show, man. Thank you for having me. Okay, so let's just get this started, man. Um, what sports did you play growing up? And um, what did you play in high school and, and in college? So growing up, I played baseball. And where are you from? Uh, I'm from Puerto Rico. Okay. And uh, when we got here to New York, it was baseball. Uh, my grandfather, he was a big Mets fan. And so growing up at home, it was the Mets. But my window from my bedroom faced Yankee Stadium. Mm. We lived in Manhattan in the high rise. So we was on the 22nd floor. And right over my bedroom window, I would look and I can see the big Yankee Stadium sign. And I would know when they're at home because the lights would go off after the game. So I would look out the window and always be like, yeah. So one day I'll be in the stadium. And I just grew up playing baseball. 
it was like, I was the kid that would sleep with the glove and the ball next to my bed, right? And it's like, I was the first one out in the morning. And even if it was raining, I was the kid that was like, nah, we could still play. We could still play in the rain. That's nothing. You know, and if it was time to fix the field. I'll be the first one to grab the rake and go, you know, rake it up because I wanted to play. So I didn't want anything to deter me from playing that day. You know, and every day I had a chance to get on the field, I was going on the field. And when I couldn't get on the field, I was, okay, well, I practice on my own. I'll throw the ball off the wall and practice on, yeah, getting a ground ball, practice on tracking a fly ball, you know, right off the wall, simple things. Um, and that was basically it. So I've always been in the sport of baseball. That's cool, man. And uh, just to tie in what you were saying, too, is that um, my entry into the game was, uh, and my, my first and last at bat was um, without a, a jock strap. So I got hit in the nuts. First time I ever played, first at bat, and I signed up for basketball the next day. Immediately. Was, <laughs> I never even touched the bat ever since. But um, when I talked to you about two weeks ago, I told you how much I love baseball. Um, I grew up with no cable. And I watched a lot of bad Mets games and a lot of bad Yankee games. But the way that it's slow, as a kid, you can process the information easy because it's not going up and down, up and down, up and down. It's, it's more something that you can really digest. Um, so talk about, um, as, as a kid, how did that develop into now you're in junior high? Did you end up playing for your school team? Yeah, so I went to this school. It was called the Satellite High School. And... So Satellite High School, they didn't have a baseball team, but they had a a softball team. So I would play baseball in the summer for my local uh, youth league that was over in St. Mary's Park, over 143rd Street in the Bronx. And I would play in that league in the summertime. And then while school was going on, I would play softball for my my school, Satellite High School. then from uh, from there, I went on to then just play one Class A game, just one. I think at the time there was so much things going on family-wise, and it just took me away from the game. All in all, complete. I stopped playing, and mm. it was like, you know, just slip away from the game at just 100%. Then I went into... Uh, 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 had a phone call from the lady that I played in her league and she calls me up and she's like hey Eric I need help with with umpiring I don't have umpires for today's game and I know you know the game and so can you please come and help me with this championship game so it was I think 11 10 year olds 11 year old championship game whatever so I went out there and mind you, I wasn't a certified umpire at all. Mm-hmm. I just knew the game, knew the rules. Or actually, I thought I knew the rules. Because then I found out that when I went to school and started getting into my umpiring, I didn't know the rules. Everything was like, you don't know. So if you think you know the rules, you just don't know the rules. Talk about that first experience uh, doing that Little League game as a non-certified umpire. you remember anything about it? It... It took like four and a half hours. <laughs> it took like four and a half hours because it was, you know, kids couldn't pitch a strike or uh, they couldn't catch a fly ball. They couldn't make a play at first. And, you know, between the timeouts and the changing of pitchers and 
you know, having to explain every single call you make to coaches that are just there volunteering and, you know, they want to win as well. So you have to um, explain to them. So it, the biggest thing I remember took four plus hours mm. to do a little league game. I'm curious, what type of equipment were you using that first game if you weren't, if you weren't even thinking about umpiring? So here it is. I have a friend who has a team in the league and his name is uh, Gilbert. And Gilbert gave me his catcher's equipment. So I had a chest protector that belonged to a catcher. I had an umpire's, actually a catcher's mask that was super heavy. It was, it was a cat, you know, his catcher's mask. And his old uh, catcher's shin guards. So I just had that on and I had cleats instead of uh, plate shoes. I had it on a pair of Nike cleats and... I think I have a picture I can show you about that. I can give you that first picture. And uh, that was just the, that was it. I was doing, I got into the field with used catcher's equipment. It wasn't even umpire's equipment. Mm. It was used catcher's equipment. Were you surprised how much you enjoyed um, doing that? No, absolutely not. Because I knew that that was my sport. That was my love. Right. So being able to go back on the field and do that was like, oh, brought me back to the game. The game that I love. You know, so mm-hmm. it, I wasn't surprised at all. So what made you start taking uh, umpiring serious? So after you did that little league game, you enjoyed it. You realized that it was something that you can extend your career outside of playing. And you probably have never thought of it that way. So then what what were the steps? Did you get certified in your local association? So what happened was that at that very game, before we were... Uh, able to play that game, there was a, a high school game going on. And we had to wait for the high school game to finish because, you know, they had the permit and then we had the permit afterwards. So the umpire that was there doing the high school game, all right, he was changing and he stood and was watching me work. I didn't know he was watching me work. He was just there. So he comes over and he's like, hey, you ever thought about doing this professionally and taking it serious? And, and I laughed at him. I'll be honest. I laughed at him. And I was like, yeah, nah, I'm all right. You know, I got my own little business going. I'm okay. I, you know, I'm all right. I'm just doing a help out with the kids. And yeah, all right. He walks away. He goes back, you know. Before he leaves the field, he comes back and he wrote down the number to an umpire organization. And he writes down that number and he gives it to me. And he goes, uh... You never know. Give it a call. I think it's, it's for you. I think you should give it a call. So I take the number and I was like, ah, oh, yeah, cool. You know, I didn't really think of it. I took the number and at that time I was playing softball and also running a softball league in my neighborhood. So I threw the number in my softball bag. And when the season finished, I went to go clean out my softball bag and I found the number to the umpire uh, organization. And you completely forgot about it. I too, had right? completely forgot about it. I was, didn't think about it at all. I was so busy going on with so many things, and I didn't think about it at all. But at that moment, when I found the number, I said, you know what? Let me just give them a call. So I gave them a call. They put me on a waiting list, and they called me back. I think I called them in, like, that was, like, October or something. They go, we'll get back to you, like, in February. February came. They got back to me. They're like, hey, you're interested. You got to take a four-week training course. And so like, all right, cool, yeah, I'm interested. Went to the four-week training course. Uh, at that four-week training course, they had 
uh, it's like a mentor system. They were pairing up the new guys that came in that wanted to be umpires with veteran umpires and guys that can show them. And that was where I met my mentor, Mike Williams. And then Mike Williams uh, came out to Crotona Park. We were practicing doing drills in Crotona Park. And Mike Williams was assigned to me as to be my mentor that day. And when it was all done, Mike Williams says to me, you better stick with this. Th this is for you. You got it. You better stick with this. And one day I'll see you in the high levels because mm. I know you will get to the high level. Now, were you surprised that he gave you such pointed direction early on? Because obviously in the Little League game, they said that they, you know, they saw something. And then further, the person that gave you the phone number said they saw something. And um, I can tie this in for myself personally. And I don't know if you remember me sharing this, but after a timeout, there was this guy that came up to me and said, you can do baseball and you can do it at a high level. And I didn't see that for my spell, myself. And especially considering that I never played before. Now, I've watched the game. Um, but I never watched it at a lower level. So I, my, my understanding of baseball is Yankees and Mets, professionals. I've never seen the gradual come up of somebody becoming a professional. But um, how did that make you feel after he said that you can, I'll see you at the professional high level? It gave me more confidence. Uh, and I was like, you know, if one person tells you something, you know, cool. You get two people to tell you the same thing and three people to tell you the same thing, then you got to look at that. Right. Something's there. Something's there, you know. And the best thing is that other people on the outside see things that we don't see because they're looking from the outside, you know. And you have some, sometimes you run into straight, genuine people that will straight up tell you, like, listen, this is how it is, mm. you know. Uh, I wasn't surprised because, like I said, I was in the sport since I was a kid. Right. So it umpiring came easy to me because mm -hmm. I already knew the rules. I knew, for the most part, the general rules. Some technicalities, I didn't know. But for the most part, the general rules, I think being a player, it made it that much easier for me. Mm. It took me like 30 games to be okay with a fastball coming at me. Like, I was afraid. I was I, afraid to get hit. I, in the beginning, I was as well. Mm. And I was like, wow. But here it is. They said, listen, you spend all this money on equipment. That's why you have equipment on. Right. Use it. Yeah. That's why you pay all that money to be protected. It's okay. You're protected. So now you did Little, little League, and then you passed that four-week course. Then you run into Mike Williams. Now you're certified, and now you're doing junior high games, and you're doing high school games. No, you went too fast. Now I'm doing certified Little League games. Okay. <laughs> you got to take it easy around here. <laughs> it's how I'm doing certified Little League games. And I'm working Throsneck in the Bronx, a little league up there. I'm working East Chester Little League in the Bronx. And uh, my assigner at that time, he was like, you know, everybody that I put you to work with, they have nothing but good things to say about you. Mm. You know, everybody. So I'm going to try you... I'm going to try you out for junior varsity, high school, junior varsity. So I was like, all right, you know, cool. This was my, 
I want to be honest and say my third year, I think, I believe, yes, my third year, I was doing junior varsity. My third year as a certified professional umpire was doing junior varsity, high school. Spent uh, a season or two there. Moved up to varsity high school. Okay. Spent another season or two there. Moved up to junior college. College. That's how it works. So I wanted to get into that because, you know, I met you at the varsity level. And not that I'm surprised, but I get kind of the same things said to me. But I guess it's a little different because it's not really my main sport. But at the same time, I'm always very receptive when somebody before me gives me information. And of course, I don't want to look like a fool. I want to do the best that I can. Even though it's not my sport, it's my sport that day. I want to be the best that I can possibly be. So, you know, I found it kind of crazy that I only spent like one year in junior varsity. And there's so many people that I can think that have the similar background that you had played, coached Little League, coached their kids, and then kind of gradually went into it. I have no background in it. So um, just talk about, you know, your experience doing varsity in comparison to JV and what were the steps that you took to break into junior college? Well, it's a slight difference in pace of play in junior varsity of varsity. You know, varsity always say you have the better players and the guys that are a little bit better play on the varsity squad as opposed to the JV squad. But I've always had the same attitude for every single game. Mm. It doesn't matter what level I'm doing. And I had the same attitude from when I started. Every game I step on the field and I do, I give it 120%. Doesn't matter the level I'm doing. I could be doing a professional game, and I could be doing a little league game. I'm coming to the field, and I'm giving you 120 percent. I don't di- differentiate how I'm going to officiate a game. The level doesn't matter. It, no. it doesn't change your tenacity and your approach of how you officiate it's an the, umpire game. Does the game change? No. It's still this game of baseball. Mm. So why change? They deserve a good umpire, same way. Professionals deserve a good umpire. So why would you change uh, the way you officiate because you're doing a lower level game? And I think, you know, that's where a lot of people get lost. Right. So some people may say, hey, I'm, ah, it's a little league game. I'm going to go over there and whatever. And, you know, then they're like, oh, it's a, it's a, it's a big time game. And they get all hyped. And it's like, it's just, it's a regular game. You know, it's every game you do should be a big time game. Every game you do on the field, you should step in there and it's a big time game. So then when you add a big time game, guess what? It feels it's just normal. a regular game. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's how I feel. So just again, talk about those steps that you took to junior college, because I'm interested myself, because that's that's probably my next level at some point. So from varsity. Again, you get, you know, you get evaluations and you have people that go out, evaluators, and your assigner uh, knows how more or less you're doing and how your work is. And your assigner will basically know if you're ready to move up to the next level. And when he felt I was ready to move up to the next level, he made a phone call to the junior college level umpire. But before that, I took it upon myself to go to camps and go to school and work on my craft and better my craft. How was that umpiring school? Describe that experience. 
it was it was the best thing I did. It was awesome. You know, you had school in the morning, training in the afternoon, and then your evaluation games at night. So you're literally doing baseball from sun up to sundown. And you're learning how to perfect your craft. How long did that last for, this umpiring school? Well, I, I, didn't, I went to a camp. It wasn't a school. So that was a one-week camp. And I'd done several of those. And they have instructors come in from the major leagues and instructors from the minor leagues that, are, uh, that come in and help you work and, and work on your craft. So basically it was all a, listen, I think you're ready for this. But now it's up to you to go ahead and fully prepare for that. Mm-hmm. So before I went for that tryout, I went and I got into the one-week uh, camp. And I did several of those. And then I said, okay, now I'm ready to try out. Okay, so describe that uh, tryout that you had. So the tryout was a regular game. So we had, uh, I won't forget, we were over at Montclair State University. And uh, we had Montclair State and Fashion. I think it was Fazen or Fashion. And we were out there, and it was like you do four innings on the plate, or three or four innings on the plate, three or four innings on the bases. And whoever was trying out, you would be paired into a group, and that's how you would try out. And the evaluator is there. And then he would know if you're good for junior college or you're not. Hmm. So basically, it's, it's a competition. So you go try out. You know, every level that you want to go to, you have to go try out. But you always treat it like a regular game no matter what. Absolutely. Absolutely. Why change? Why, well, you know, why change it? The only reason why I'm asking those questions is because, especially back home in, uh, in Long Island, I just find that there's a disparity in between, um, not, not somebody's ambition, but, you know, just like you said before, sometimes they don't really get up for those JV games. Sometimes people only get up for the varsity games. And, you know, there's a big disparity. See, in basketball, when you have two officials, everyone has equal levels of responsibilities. One becomes the lead. The other one is the trail, and then oftentimes they switch vice versa. Same thing with lacrosse, same thing with soccer. But in baseball, you know, there's a very distinct role that one person plays where they're behind the plate and then the bases. So sometimes already inherently it's not really an equal responsibility, although everything is important. But I find that some people don't have that same tenacity. So um, I guess what I'm getting at is... Um, you know, how difficult is it to, to navigate, you know, people's intentions um, when some people aren't really taking it as serious as you are? Then it's your job to make them get serious. And you do that by taking the lead. You understand? And letting them know. Hey, listen, I, I think, I, you know what? I, I don't think you're doing a great job right mm. now. I think you and you've done start. that in the game. I, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. If I got to come over to you and tell you, hey, listen, man, you didn't hustle on that play at all. And I think you got it wrong. I'm going to come and tell you. Because guess what? We're a team. There's three teams out there. You got the two teams that are playing and then you got the umpiring crew. Mm. So guess what? We have to play better than both of those teams. Some us. 
we must play better than both of those teams. We step on that field, we're a unit. So once one of us look bad, all three of us look bad, or all four of us look bad, or all two of us look bad, or you just look bad if you're doing a one-man game, a game when you're starting off. Mm. So, you know, if you just wake up wanting to go make the money, then it's not for you. Right. You're never going to get good at it. You're right. never going to, because you're just doing it for the money part of it. And when mm. you go into the field, you're just showing up just to get a check. So you're not showing up to do a job. You're showing up to get a check. So you're not, you're not, you're going through the motions to get the check. You're not putting in the work. Mm. So after you went to junior college, you obviously aspired to do better games. And then you went to college. Was it the same thing? More nope. tryouts? More tryouts. Back to school, back to camps. Uh, and the level of pace of play picks up. Mm. The baseball is better. You know, it's cleaner baseball. You so know. now it's, it's less calls but more critical calls. Right. Mm. Right. So now, you, you know, once you can slow down the whole game, everything becomes so easy. If you slow down the game, you can see everything. You can, you know, register everything and it's easier to, to umpire a game. Um, and basically everything is tryouts. You know, and how much you put into your... You're an independent contractor. So, you know, how much you put into your worth is up to you. Mm. And not just for umpiring. That's just life in general. Mm. You know what I'm saying? How much you value yourself and how much you put into yourself. And, you know, we are all a brand. You know, whether people realize that or not, we're all a brand. And how much your brand is worth is up to you. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That's why they got the low-end brand. (laughs) <laughs> and they got that high-end joint. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Everybody want to mess with the high-end joint, but nobody want to put that work to get to that high-end joint. Right, because you know it, it sounds initially like it's great, but then when the work comes and people just scatter like roaches. Yeah, they, it, I think it's like a thing where some people get intimidated. You know, it's, it's okay, it's natural, it's fine. People get intimidated. Some people might feel like, you know, it's not for me, I'm okay. And then you have mm. great umpires that are like, nah, I don't want to do the traveling I'd rather do just local high school ball and I'm okay with it. And they actually are good. Right. They actually could do college ball, junior right. college. But, you know, you got to be able to do the travel because it's just not, oh, you know, you're going to do, you got to travel, you know. I I just did two games down in New Britain, Connecticut, and I live in the Bronx, you know. So if you're not willing to travel, you know, then that business might not be for you. Right. Well, that, that might not be in line with what your real goals are, right? Exactly. If, if your real goals, you know, I mentioned to you that I'm, I'm from Long Island and, you know, some people back home think I'm crazy, but I don't think I'm crazy because I know what it's doing for me. Exactly. You know, because that's my intention. And I get that all the time too. You know, summertime comes, who wants to be on a baseball field? Not me. <laughs> I, I, I got plenty of things we can do. Mm-hmm. But I decided to do this. Mm. And I know how to, I can enjoy my summer, but I can still do what I have to do so that when I'm back in full season mode, I, I never lost a beat. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And, it's, and you continue to work on the craft every day, every day. So I know recently you just uh, did your first professional game in the Atlantic League. First of all, congratulations. Thanks a lot. That's, on that. That was big. Yeah, so... That just came out the blue, you know, just came, I was given an opportunity, and it was the uh, Somerset Patriots against the New Britain Bees uh, for the Atlantic League, 
and uh, yeah, it was a nice, awesome experience. You know, I was out there for two games, so it was pretty cool. Mm. And just discuss the, the the pace of play in comparison to college. Was it even faster than that? Just a bit, you know, just a little bit. It's just a little bit cleaner. It's almost the same, mm. you know, like a D two, D one game. You know, even D three games. You know, if once you got two teams that are competitive, competitive, and two teams that play, the baseball is going to be good. Mm. Even if you got, even if they're little league teams, if they can play and they come, it's going to be great baseball. Mm. And and so, it was just a little bit quicker, but it was I didn't see a major difference. Okay, um, I did want to discuss. Um, so since you know, I I would like for you to take um, me under your wing, obviously. Um, I wanted to to just describe uh, what do you think are the differences between doing the plate and doing the bases, and do you have a preference um, when you're doing a game? Well, there is really it, both positions. You got to work hard. You know, uh, calling balls and strikes saves and out, saves and outs. So it's it's the same work. You got to be focused. And your working is just as hard. You know, the difference between being a home plate umpire and being, a, uh, uh, being on the dish and being on the bases is your pace of play. You know, if you're, if you're a good, uh, if you have a good plate game, you can move the game, you know, rather quickly. You know what I'm saying? Your pace of play, you keep the guys, teams in and out, you keep them, you know. But you still got to... The way I see it, you still got to work as equally as hard, mm. you know? So you have uh, responsibilities at the dish. So you got, let's go, you got balls and strikes, right? You got saves and outs, right? You got the responsibility of your the fouls, right? And you're on the bases. You got the same thing. You got saves and outs. You got a responsibility when you're in the in the V area, right? You got steals, okay? We got both got balks, both uh, whoever's at the dish and whoever's on the bases, we both looking for balks. So we both share a large amount of responsibility on both ends. So I used to think that the bases was easier when I first started. And I realized that it used just as much work, except you don't have any extra equipment on. Mm. And you're not constantly squatting. What level did you start feeling that way, that it was equal responsibilities? Um, once I decided that, hey, I still have the same responsibility he has. He might have one or two more that I don't have to worry about. But you have but one or two I, more that... He might not have either. Right, but then if it comes down to me on a check swing, that's another responsibility. Now we got to be ready for a check swing, you know? So when you work at both positions hard, you don't see the difference. Mm. Is that, does that make sense? It makes complete sense. I've never heard of it that way, but if you it work makes complete sense. both positions hard and you know your responsibility, you share responsibilities whether you're a two-man, three-man, four-man, you know, so you share responsibilities. Hmm. So if you work every position hard, you know what I'm saying? You're not going to notice the difference. To me, right now, at this point, the only difference I see between, like I said, being in the dish and being on, on, on the bases is the pace of play. 
And of course, you know, when you're on the dish, most of the time you're a crew chief. Most of the time, not necessarily being it, but, you know, everybody likes to be behind the dish, you know? Mm-hmm. You're there, you're, you know, you're the man. You're controlling the game back there. Right. You know, you control the game. But if you work both positions hard, you won't see any difference because you share the same responsibility. Do you have a preference or it doesn't matter? It don't matter to me because I'm going to work both of them hard. Mm. So if I'm on the dish, I'm on the dish, I'm going to give it 120%. If I'm on the bases, I'm on the bases, I'm going to give it 120%. Mm. And there's always something for you to work on because we're not perfect. So we're always working on our craft. So there's always something that I can do better behind the dish every time I go behind the dish. And there's something that I can do better on the bases every time I'm working the bases. Because we all have strong games and we all have a weak game. So we all have to work on that weak spot that we have. So if you know you're on the bases and you know what your weaknesses are on the bases, alongside from your responsibility, you got to work on your craft. So how is that easier than being on the dish? Mm. So now you know you have dish responsibility, but you know you have a flaw in your dish game, which you should be working on as you work in the dish. So how is that any different from being on the base now? It's not. You're the man. I just, I just think it's just... Does that make sense? Or it am makes, I just talking no, crap? No. Um, I think... Okay, so... I guess I could say that when I first started... Now remember, I have no baseball background whatsoever. Now think about me behind the dish... You got to put on all of this stuff, and it's foreign to me. I've I've never been. I've I've never had. I've only had one at bat in my life, and I got hit in the nuts. Right, so it took me a couple of games to be okay with being behind there, and then I finally realized, you know what? To, to be comfortable behind. I got I got all the equipment. I need to stop worrying about getting hit and start officiating the game. So exactly, get a little more confidence. Then, and and what's great about being behind. When you're in the bases is that you see professionals and, and you see what's good and what's bad. And you go like, I like that. And you have a lot of time to just kind of identify what you like and what you didn't like. On time of, you know, realizing, you know, I know we had that conversation of when I should be in the B and when I should be in the C. And we were talking about that when, when somebody's going into third, the base runner, how, how bad does it look when you're in the B and you're trying to make that call instead of just getting to the C? You know, those are the things that you have to go through. Um, But, you know, just think about somebody that has never had experience, how easy I feel, how how more comfortable I feel on the basis as opposed to the plate, because it's it's foreign to me. You know, I've never thought of it as, you know, equal responsibilities because I've always thought of it as much more of a chore for me in terms of never knowing how to play, not understanding the strike zone. Does that make sense to you? Absolutely. Yeah, so... Absolutely. I know you was lost, right? When you got back <laughs> so there, you was like, what? I'm so lost. Like, what, what am I... Okay, what, what's a ball? Okay. And I did, I did slow pitch softball. So, you but know... you see, those are those not the same. But Baseball, I, softball is exactly, not the same. Never. Exactly. You know? I mean, it's... The concept, there's, some, there's some things that translate, but not everything. Right. So, it's, it's just very... To me, it, it's different. Completely you different know, sport. Um... But I know I could definitely identify with you being scared for back there. Because even with, even, see, you had no back baseball background at all. You was back there. I had a baseball background, played baseball, 
And I was still scared shit when I got back there for the first time. I Especially in Little League where the catcher won't catch the ball and you're right. just getting hit all day. Right. I don't know how many ace bandages I wasted my first year. <laughs> I had a lot of Bengay and the Tiger Bomb and all that. It, yeah. I was pretty much uh, banged up every game when mm. I started uh, with Little League. Because, you know, the catchers, the kids, they don't catch. You know, mm. they might catch one out of seven pitches. Mm. You know? And as, as you start going higher up in levels, they you start getting better catchers. Right. And, and then you build a rapport with the cat. You know... Your catcher is your protector. You know, the ball got to get to him first before it gets to you. He's on your team, too. That's right. Because he's protecting you. Exactly. That's your protector. He's also an actor, too, because, you know, at the varsity level for me, I start to realize how they're framing the ball and they're trying to fool me and deceive me by by maybe there's a ball that's kind of 50-50, but they're trying to make it. They're trying to bend it to the point where it's a strike. That's right. And that's part of the game. Mm -hmm. And that's where you have to be on your game and identify. Now, that was a ball. I see what you're trying to do, but that's a ball. I like what you did, but that's still a ball. That's good. And then you have those pitchers that catchers that stick. You know, they'll stick it. And and you got to give it. They sticking it right there. And they're like, listen, I'm here to call strikes and outs. Let's go. You know, so you got a catcher that does a great job and he's sticking that ball and he's, you know, it's there. You know, you got to give that up. Mm. You got to call that. Speaking of the dish, what is your philosophy when you're behind the plate? And um, what is your interpretation of a strike zone? What does the strike zone mean to you? If you go by OBR, the strike zone is very big, you know. Going by OBR. But as you work your levels, you develop your own strike zone. And you develop and you know more or less what's a strike. And then you develop what's low, very low, and you develop what's high. Mm. And then you find your way in the middle there and that's it. You know, not too high, not too low, but everything in the middle. Do you like it low and outside? Do you consider that a strike? That outside pitch is the money pitch. If you can see that outside pitch and call that pitch, you're, 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 you're in for a good game. You're going you're gonna to call a lot of strikes. Mm. The outside pitch is the pitch that gives a lot of umpires a hard time. That outside pitch, a lot of umpires, we miss them. So if you engage in there and you can get that outside pitch... For a strike, mm-hmm. that's the most mispitched as an umpire. How outside. long did it take for you to master um, identifying I I, the outside? I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I mastered it at all. How long did it get to the point where you have been able to at least identify it easier? Pitch by pitch. Honestly, pitch by pitch. It's the only way you get better. Because not every pitch is going to be outside and, you know, that low outside pitch or that, you know, that outside corner pitch. Not every pitch is going to be there. Mm. So when you get it, you got to register it and work on it and know that, oh, oh, you might get a picture that that's going to be his go-to pitch. Mm. You know, that's going to be his go-to pitch. And like I said, when you have a good catcher that can stick that, it makes it a little bit easier for you to see that pitch. Mm. But that is the most missed pitch in baseball. How did you develop not using an indicator? I found that astonishing and... Um, 
I'm an official that uses no lanyard. I don't use a lanyard when I officiate basketball normally, but you know, it's a mandate in college and, and also uh, certain high-level high school games. But for the most part, um, I use no lanyard, which means that there's nothing around my neck. So I'm, I'm basically left to, to my hands to be able to communicate because I don't have the luxury of spitting out the whistle and then just letting it fall around my neck. So, you know, I'm assuming that you used an indicator at some point. How did you get to the point where you were comfortable in not using the indicator? And why don't you use an, uh, an indicator? Well, we're supposed to have an indicator at all times. We're supposed to. I don't use it. You know, at times I might keep it in my pocket just in case, but I don't use it. And I, I just, it keeps you in the game. 1,000%. You, without an indicator, you, you have to know that count, okay? So it keeps you engaged and focused on the game. And I also find that it can be a distraction, you know, because sometimes when we learn how to use an indicator, we constantly are looking down to make sure that we turn to the right number. Mm. Now we are like looking down, now we're looking up, now we're looking down, now we're looking up, we're fidgeting with it, you know. Uh, sometimes even when an indicator, you can make a mistake. You probably forgot to turn the out, the strike, the ball. So you're looking down, oh, I got one and two. What do you mean you got one and two? It's two and two. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Oh, I forgot. So if you stay locked in and you don't worry about having to do a second chore, which is moving... The indicator, you can stay locked and focused, and it keeps you in the game, at least for me. How long did it take you to have the confidence to, I guess, execute that in a real game? I did it. I started doing that around my fourth year. Around my fourth year, I started practicing some games. I would go... When I was doing like lower level games, mm. I would practice there, lower level games. Because, you know, it's a little slower pace, so you can really, really keep up. Then I started testing myself, and I'm like, okay, this is a higher level game. I'm going to try it here and see if it works for me. And that was just basically it until I developed, you know, I don't need it. At this point, it's normal for you, right? Yeah. At this point, if I have it in my hand, I feel like I'm... It's weird. Like, it's weird. Mm. I don't need that. Mm. You know. But yes, we are supposed to have it at all times. I won't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned Mike Williams and how influential he was from your start. Um, describe some more of your mentors who've got you to this point and how have they shaped the way you think about mentoring people after you, like somebody like myself? Well... Here's the thing. So if we have information and we don't share it with other people, then what's good of you having that information? You know, and that's why it's information. We give it out. It's up to that other person to, you know, take in the information and act on it. So I try to help everybody I work with, you know, I if they want the help. Mm. Because some guys, they feel like they know I've been around way too long. I've been around longer than you. And so... Uh, you don't have to tell me about my game. I know, I, I know, I got this. And you got the guys that just go to the car, change, and you know they get in the car and they leave. They don't want to talk about nothing. So if you are a person that wants to get help, right? If you want help, and 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 I have the ability to help you, why not? It doesn't hurt me. It doesn't hurt me one bit to help you. You know what I'm saying? 
it'll make me proud. Mm. You know that I that I had some type of influence or work with that to get get a person to where they want to get to. Mm. And 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 I think you know I'm glad that you mentioned that because that's the reason why I decided to do the podcast. The reason I decided to do the podcast, um, it wasn't for me. It's not for me at all. It's more so that I can use this platform to reach somebody, anybody, that's at home, that listening to this, that's young, that doesn't know what to do, you know, that at home and they have a clue. Get your ass in umpiring school. Go. Go get it. It's, it's, a, it's a very good career. You know, and if you're young and you like baseball or even if you're not into baseball and you want a career and you want to uh, build character and you want to build integrity mm. and you want to have all these things that make up an umpire, right? Especially if you're a person that likes to like boss people around and you like the, the feeling of being power, right? You don't get, that's, you, you, you know... That being behind the dish might be so good for a person like that. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. they're like, yeah, this is, I control this. It's an outlet. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, you know, if there's anybody that, that's not sure what they should do and is not, you know, and, and I was wondering, like, you know, what should I get into as a hobby or anything like that? You know, I, I want to tell them, go ahead, go, go to umpire school. You know, go to an umpire school. There, there is a career there for you, you know, and... How cool is it to go show up to a place of recreation, a park, a basketball court, gym in your case, um, and get paid to be there? When normally everybody that's there, including players, are not getting paid. They have to pay. Okay. Okay. And then you got, you're there to do something you love, and you're getting paid to do something you love. That's not work for me. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not work. That's, That's just... It is what it is. You yeah. Know, that's so. For that person that might be wondering, or might be thinking like, oh, I don't know what to do. You know, just, look. I wish I had somebody to tell me go to umpiring school when I was younger, to the school. You know, get into umpiring. I wish someone did. You know, I didn't. And now I know, and I have the information because I've seen it. I went through it, and so now I'm here to share the information. Take your ass to umpiring school. If you're thinking about it, go do it. It's a career. Mm. You can definitely make a career out of that. You know, and if you're get to make professional umpire MLB, you're making six figures a year. I don't know too many jobs that pay that. And have fun at the same time. And, and you just, you know, you're having fun. Mm. You're having fun every night. You're doing something you love to do. It, it doesn't feel like work. Mm. You know, so that's it's there, and 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 um, you know, it's just a matter of people going after it. But it's definitely there. Aside from Mike Williams, who has also been influential in getting you to where you uh, are right now. I have a, a nice group of guys that I was been able to, luckily enough, to meet. And uh, I have another gentleman, his name is Carlos Domo, who is, we speak almost every day, baseball related, rule related, we go over rules, 
we talk, and then we also talk just regular life things. Nothing to do. Sometimes we get on the phone and we're said nothing about baseball at all. And uh, he's been a great supporter of my growth in this business. Great supporter. He's helped me a lot as well. You know, uh, anything I'm unclear about, anything that I want to go over. Hey, hey, Carlos. He might kill me, but I call him Carlos El Lomo Domo. Yeah, he's an American guy, so, you know, I like to mess with him. So when he hears that, he bugs out. And so I say, Carlos, man, you know, hey, how does this, you know, does this happen to you, Carlos? How would you go about handling this situation? So, yes, there's a group of people. You know, you need a strong support team around you when you want to move up or do anything in life. You know, you need that. And uh, I, I have that. I was blessed to find great group of guys, you know, and very few selected though, very few, very, very few that have been, you know, genuine with me with as long as I've been in this business. And I've only been here seven years. Mm-hmm. No, this is seven seasons, excuse me. It's my seventh season as a pro umpire. Amazing, man. Um, so what do you think is the craziest experience that you've ever had uh, behind the plate? Hmm. When my, I think I had a junior college game last year, and that was the first time I got my bell rung. Like, I took one straight on the mask, straight, and it was like, doo, 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 doo. like you out for the count, Mike Tyson I, knockout. I wasn't out for the count, but you it was, was confused for a second. But I, yeah, yeah, I was like, we, you know, we we had to. Well, I had like about a ten minute delay in the game, wow. and. You know, I had to get myself together and, you know, compose. But, yeah, that was the most wildest thing. Like, that hit straight on. Mm. Straight on the mat. Catcher didn't get no leather on it at all. Straight flush. Boom. That was a tough one. That didn't get you rattled moving on? You just went right back to the way you work? Or were you like, oh, I feel a little uneasy? Or you, did you just flush it and just moved on to the next play afterwards? It took me about... I want to say it took me about an inning... Or maybe two innings to get back, back to normal. To, to normal. Because if I tell you that I jumped right back in there and was at my regular form, I'd be a liar. Mm. There's no way in the world that's going to happen. Not after they ring your bell. It's not happening. It took me about a couple of innings to you know, finally get in and, and, and get back to work. What's your craziest experience thus far um, when you were on the bases? Craziest experience on the bases... I think I had a uh, a close play, a pickoff play. Pickoff play, also a junior college game. Um, uh, had a pickoff play at first base, and uh, I called a guy out, and the coach went berserk on me. First base coach came down on me, and he was like, "What are you talking about?" You know, he was in there, and and I'm like, "Really?" Like. He was in there? Like, he was adamant about the fact that he was in there, and I'm adamant about the fact that he was out. And I'm like, how could you miss that? You're right there. Like, how could you miss it? But, you know, then again, of course, like, that was the biggest thing I ever had happen to me, honestly. To be honest, I I can't say that I've had a lot of... If I ejected two people in seven years, is a lot. I'm, I'm not out there to eject people. I'm not out there looking to be the star of the game. So when you're out there and you're trying to be the star of the game, that's when you, in my, I say that's when you get into some type of problems. 
and you let you set yourself up, you know, for failure. The best games you have is when you go do a game and nobody notices that you're there. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? Those are your best games. So you go, you did the game, you, you, you umpired the game, now you left, nobody even knows you were there. Those were the best games. Do you have any other sticky uh, situations that you ever had as an umpire? I mean, like I said, I haven't had any real, 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 uh, really bad sticky situations like that. Um, I don't know, you know, I don't want to, I can't think of a real big situation that stood out the most, except for that one guy, you know, going back to first to pick off at first. But other than that, it's, it has, I haven't really had that. I know why, because you you are continuously proactive in making sure you're prepared in every single moment. I, I, w- I would definitely agree with that. Yeah. So having said all that, what do you think has been your best moment as an umpire thus far in your early career? My best moment, I would have to say, came this week. Uh, it's It was two things that happened this week that was like, you know good you know like so being able to do the CUNY championship game that was awesome you know that was great that was awesome that was uh, one of the highlights and not only being able to do the CUNY championship game but then do a professional game in the same week Mm. and get into a professional ball field and just hearing your name announced when they announced the umpires for the game. And now you have people in the stadium. And, you know, you we do games and nobody announces the, the, the umpires. Nobody cares about the umpires. And no you one's there to see no, you no either. One, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But as, as an umpire, you take all that in. Here you are. You're stepping into the, to the field. You got your two teams there. And now... Over the PA, they announced, and here are umpiring crew for today. You know, and they announced your name. That was the coolest thing that has happened thus far. That's so cool, man. I, I hope that I can join you at some point, maybe in fifty years. I, I don't know about fifty years, but I think you can do it. <laughs> um, what do you think are the attributes that got you? What do you think it took to get to where you are at this point in your career? Hard work, drive, determination. Hard work. Goals. Goals. Goals that I have that I know that if I don't put in the work, it's not going to be, it's not going to happen. So it's, it drives, it drives me. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm driven, you know, not only to be the best I can be every time I step out there, but also driven to accomplish those little goals I set for myself mm-hmm. as an umpire, you know. And so, in order to obtain your goals, you got to grind. You got to grind every day. Every game, you got to be better than your last game. Every game, better than your last game. Mm. What do you think it's going to take to get to where you want to go and where do you want to go? Hard work. Continuous hard work. It's the only way, we're gonna, it's the only way you're going to get there. It's the only way. Hard work. Going to camps, getting seen, going to where the big dogs are at, and say, 
I'm here. Mm-hmm. Hey, look at me. You know, going to those places, hey, look at me, look at me. That type of thing. But the one thing that's always going to get us ahead in life, no matter whether we are officiating games, no matter whether we are just regular life, is hard work and determination. So only you can, only you can uh, stop yourself from doing anything. But if you don't grind for it, it's not going to come to you. Nobody's going to come and say to you, hey, put this here. Here's, let me give you this in your lap, and you're going to be fine. No. Nope. doesn't work like that. Mm. My final question that I had for you is, um, and we talked about this a little bit before, was would you ever consider officiating any other sports? Because obviously you have a knack for officiating. I wanted to see if you wanted to expand that and do some other sport. So I, I'm not going to say 100% no, but I will say this. I will say that I want to accomplish what I'm set out to do in baseball first. And then I can focus and be the top. What, let me not say the, the top. I can then focus and be a good basketball ref. Because now, see, then we're going to reverse roles. Now, I will be going <laughs> into a sport that I don't know anything about. Yep. You know, so that'll be a, you know, reverse roles. And... I don't want to, if I can't, here's, here's the thing. So if I can't do something 100% and give it 100%, I'm not with it. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? You could so, give it 100%. So, so, yeah, I could. At this point right now, I don't have 100% to give. I could give it only like maybe 30% because I have mm. other things going on that I give that. So those things will interfere with that. And mm. so for me to go out there and waste my own time, I'd rather take a couple of things off my plate mm-hmm. before I put something else on it. But I'm definitely going to look forward to looking to that basketball thing. Yeah. Um, I, I know a lot of the, the high guys in Board 42, which is the, uh, the, uh, the certification class for uh, the Bronx. So whenever you're ready, you know, I will pay it forward to you. And I have you know, everything ready and li- lined out for you. Um, is there any final things that you want to say before we part ways and in this interview? I just, you know, just so that uh, that someone hears this message, you know, and 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 let them know that listen, you know, there is a there is a place where you can where you can have a career, you know, if you know if some kid out there, you know, is having trouble uh, in the sport, doesn't know, likes the sport, maybe not a good player, you know, this guys, we got to be a realist. Maybe there's people playing ball that you know you're probably not gonna make it, mm. but you love the sport. And you want to be a part of the sport. So look into that. You know, why not? Why not go and be a professional umpire? So if you're, if you're 21 now and you decide to go to umpiring school, by the time you're 30, and you're really good, by the time you're 31, I guarantee you, you'll be a professional umpire in the major leagues. Mm. Ten years of work. Are you willing to put that in? Mm. So even if you don't want to go that far, but just one is to stay in the game and do something and have a career. Mm. Umpiring, referee, uh, being in sports is the key. It's the key. So I hope that uh, someone takes something away from this, you know, and uh, 
And they say, you know, sign up for umpiring school tomorrow, you know, and, and say that I did it off the cast, you know, yeah, so that's yeah. good. That's a good thing. Well, I, I have one more question before I end this for myself is um, what has baseball given to you, man? You, you seems like from every step of the way, baseball has been such a centerpiece in your life. What is it? What has it given you? An outlet. An outlet to go have fun. It's been fun. It's been part of my whole life. So it's it's been an outlet, mm. you know, uh, and I've enjoyed it, and I'm still enjoying it, and I'll continue to enjoy it. Cool, man. That's it. Listen, man, this has been great. Um, you know, I've been trying to get more baseball umpires, but, you know, I just want to say first and foremost, thank you for taking the time and uh, getting interviewed. Um, you mean a lot to me. I thank know I've only known me. you for two weeks, but... You know, I finally have met somebody that has that same type of tenacity that I approach basketball. And, you know, hopefully I can become part of that small circle that you speak of, man. Absolutely. It's all like I told you when I when I met you, it's all about the work you put in. Right. And, you know, we worked that game. And even there, I was trying to get you. I mean, and when you ask me the question, will you tell a person if they're doing something wrong? Did I tell you? Yeah, when you, I, the when first were, thing that you said, you wanted to see where my heart was, and you're yeah. like, okay, your heart is at at the least in the right direction that you want to learn. And I think that over time, you realize like how how eager I was to, I wanted the information. And and then when you went out there on the bases and and you did something incorrectly, I would come up there and be like, hey, listen, this is done this way. You did, you know, do this like this. It looks so much better, so mm. much cleaner if you do this. You know what I'm saying? Because why? That goes back to the part where we're a unit. So just because I know what I'm doing and I know I'm looking good at what I'm doing, but if you're out there, we're a unit, and you look bad, I you look, look bad, bad too. too. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But so if I got to go and tell you, yo, listen, you're, a, you're fucking up right now, yeah, I'm going to tell you. You're damn right. You're you damn right. And I expect that you do the same thing for me. Mm. I expect that. I'm not just saying this is a one-way thing. I'm expecting that you look at me and say, yo, listen, you, you off your game, bro. Step it up, mm. you know, because that's what we're there. We check each other. We're a team, right? You know, so absolutely, man. I appreciate you having me. You know, it's been a a pleasure. It's been an awesome experience doing this. You know, and uh, hopefully we can wrap a taste next time I interview you and tell you how things are going with you. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to that time, man. So, for right, Eric, baby. Eric Carmona. This is Ralph the Ref. This is the Rant. We're signing out. Peace. <laughs>